Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast and other resources, please go to BethelCleveland.com. So, no announcements today. Hey, so good to be here. What a great day. I mean, I just, for some reason, I woke up at 3.30 this morning and then could go back to sleep. And so, I've been, I've been spending that time uh, praying for you and just really praying that God would uh, ignite fresh vision and fresh inspiration in your heart and just fresh intimacy with God. I believe we're moving into a new season. There's so many things you may or may not know about going on across this country that are so powerful concerning the things of the Spirit. God is moving very powerful in places. Prophetic words from long ago are being fulfilled right now. And, are, and we're on the verge of some massive fulfillment. And I just really want to encourage you, just like Israelites that came out of captivity. I don't know if we could call what we went through captivity. Some days it kind of felt that way. But as we're coming out of this, and it's a months, months of coming out, there's something that comes upon you of like fresh joy. It's like, oh yeah, I don't have to wear a mask anymore. I mean, there's a freeing thing to that, you know. There's a, I know we're, it's rolling out across the nation right now, but... We can feel the sense of freedom. Even the traffic is reflecting it, you know. And there's something of a freshness. And, and I know there's fear in some of our hearts as you're venturing out, you know, because literally we were, we were, we, we were in a training camp of fear for a year. And we are in a deep programming stage right now to get out of that fear. And I just really want to encourage you. God, there is light at the end of the tunnel. God's bringing us out of this thing. For those of you who have really suffered, you know, emotionally, mentally, particularly through this pandemic, our hearts are for you. We want to pray for you. We want to help you as you're kind of re-entering, and particularly those watching online, maybe who haven't returned back to physical church yet. We invite you to come back. It's safe, and, and you know, it's dynamic. I mean, every time we get together in this room and just worship God, it's, it's an amazing thing. So we invite you to come back and bring your friends and we have nothing but faith for the future. I mean, we are looking ahead. We've got some fresh dreams that are coming up as well as the old dreams that are being fulfilled right now, not only corporately, but in individuals' lives. We've seen so many people just healed and uh, delivered recently. It's been an amazing thing. Uh, last night, we were with the single young adults, I mean, uh, over at uh, Mapleside. Cindy and I popped over there because they had some pizza. And uh, we went over there, and there was a bunch of young people there. And uh, before you know it, somebody had uh, somebody actually uh, came over to join them. They were just kicking a ball around, stuff like that. And before you know it, they're a part of our group, and uh, they may even be here today. I don't know. We'd ho- I hope you made it. And uh, the next thing, I look over there while eating my pizza, and they've got some guy on the ground who maybe hurt his ankle or something, and they're praying over him, you know. And I thought, this is the kingdom of God right out in public. We're just showing the good grace of Jesus Christ, you know. So we're in a great time right now, and I'm so glad you came back. And I'm in a series that we're starting today. I think it's, oh, it's up here, okay. Yeah, good, we spelled it all right, good. The prophetic, the prophetic, my daughter made this, and she sent me one, and it said uh, the prophetic crunch. And I thought, maybe that's, you know, prophetic. I don't know, the prophetic crunch. You know, I can see it. 
a force for truth that changes America. I love this picture. And um, I want to talk about that for a few weeks. I'm going to specifically lean on the side of truth. Because I feel we've lived in a season, and this season, by the way, I think is decades, where there's been a lot of deception, uh, a lot of lying, a lot of overt uh, ideologies trying to affect who we are and what we do. There's attempts on every side. You can feel it. It's not individuals. This is not, this is not time to get angry at an individual. This is time to get angry at the devil. And, and the, the action we take against the devil is to resist him, and he will flee. And he will pop up periodically in your life, him or one of his minions, to affect you physically or emotionally or financially or whatever. And, you know, sometimes our immediate response is, how am I going to get out of this? And I'm going to talk about that today because I believe God's bringing the church and raising the church up. He showed me this several years ago, and I've shared it many times with you. We are in for an amazing time of growth in the church. Now, it's at a time when everything kind of says the opposite. I love those kinds of moments. Don't you love to move in the opposite spirit? I've been watching The Chosen, you know. How many of you watch The Chosen? It's worth it. You get the app, you watch it now, and it's, it's, uh, it's Jesus' life. They've done very, very well. I really like it, you know. But in The Chosen, it always opens up with that cool music. At least I like it. Cindy does too. We both kind of start dancing too, you know. And uh, it got the chosen, and it's got these fish, you know, going in one direction. And then some of the fish start turning around, change color, and go in a different direction. They're swimming against the stream. And I thought, I like that. That is a prophetic symbol right there. That's where we are right now. Culture can be moving like a tide in one direction. But the church is, how many of you know that the fish that swim upstream are stronger? Yeah, so, so just see this as your spiritual workout. You're spiritually swimming upstream. Sorry, it goes this way. Swimming upstream. And you, by the time you get to where God has you, you're going to be ready, and you're going you're gonna to not just survive, you're going to thrive in the midst of it. So I want to talk about that. We'll get to a scripture here in just a minute. But first of all, I want to talk about the prophetic. I'm leaning into <clears throat> some messages going from now all the way to the fall, and a lot of it's going to be about the prophetic. And uh, I'll tell you why, as soon as I drink this. Because we were a prophetic church from the beginning. Now, if you're new here, you're like, what does that really mean, prophetic? Like, you know, you, you see things about the future, and, you know, well, yeah, we do. I mean, Jesus said that we would do that. I mean, in Revelation, uh, and Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock, Revelation 3.20. Stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens this door, I'll come in and eat, eat and drink with them. And it's this, it's this desire. It's funny. The Lord has the power to kick in the door. <laughs> but he doesn't do it. He knocks. He's like, Steve. Steve. Wait, he's a persistent knocker, though. If I ignore it, Steve. I'm in bed. Steve. The Bible says he even gazes through the windows. Go figure. I mean, he's, he's after you. <laughs> he's after you in all the good ways. And he wants to connect with you again. He said, if you invite, when you invite him in, because he opens the door, all of a sudden a door in heaven opens up and a voice comes down. It's like you let him in. You, let, you open your door, he opens his door. And he says, come on up. That's what it says in scripture in Revelation. Come on up. And he said, let me show you What's, what's to come? 
So there's an invitation to the church, his bride, turn to the person next to you and say, especially if you're a guy, say, actually, I'm a bride. Just tell him that right now. Just turn to the person next to you. I'm a bride. We're the bride of Christ. We're his girlfriend right now. We'll be married someday to him. And what a delightful thing it's going to be. We're going to have a marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to, re- lamb. We're going to rejoice together in heaven. And who knows what God's planning He's trying to stay ahead of Elon Musk, I think. He's all the planets and the universe and, and everything else out there, you know. And so God is expansive. He's prophetic. He actually speaks to his people. A dear fellow last night, Sidney and I met. His name's Mike. And uh, he was telling me a story of how he got here, you know. And he said, uh, yeah, I was going to this church. And, and it was a cessationist church, which if you don't know what that means, it, it uh, uh, it's... It's not a party, let's put it that way. They, they believe that the only things that happened when Jesus was here was just when he was here, and none of that happens after Jesus left. You know, it was just for that moment to introduce the power of heaven, but there's no power after that, even though Jesus said, you will go out and do these things. And, uh, and we've got record now for 2,000 years of people performing miracles all over the world. But anyway, a lot of churches believe that. We don't. So anyways, tell me, he goes, he started to get hungry for the Holy Spirit. And he searched around. He didn't even know, he didn't even know what to look for. He didn't know, he, he named a few churches. He wasn't sure if those are like so-called spirit-filled churches, you know? And uh, he was curious about it though. And anyway, uh, this, this uh, song comes up on the radio. And it's apparently a song that used to be like a, a deal traveled around the country and they did like a, a dance or a presentation or something where it kind of, it was very popular, really ministered to people and it really touched him, you know. And this thing was in his mind and he heard it the night before because uh, he got invited to come to our church. He came to our church and w- the song that he had, we've never sung that here. I mean, it's not a song we do. It's something that was actually popular some years ago. And he said, when we got here, the worship leader, which was Allison, Allison got up and was worshiping, but on all in the middle, she, she interjected two lines out of that song. It was like it was custom made for him, and he's been here now two months ever since. How many of you thank God that he's, he's the best greeter? <laughs> I love our greeters, but man, when Jesus invites you, it's, it's really a good invitation, you know? And so he, he's been coming, delightful young guy, we're really excited about him, and now he's just getting the Holy Spirit and really enjoying worship times and everything like that. So that's who we are. And so between now and the fall, because in the fall, we are celebrating our 25th anniversary as a church. We started as Metro Church South in the Brunswick Rec Center uh, 25 years ago, and we got a long journey, and we'll be telling it over the months ahead. And we're doing it for a purpose, not because you haven't heard it before. We're We're communicating it because it's so important to get your story. It's important to know the story of those that are around you. It's important to know the story of your family, I think. My brother's been very good at this. He's researched our family. Our family arrived in America in 1699, the first one. They were the Whites, Le Blancs. They were the Whites. They, they, had, they had a variation of a wit name. We're actually uh, uh, Celt uh, or Irish, Scotch-Irish. And they came over and ended up in West Virginia because it was the closest place to look like Scotland or Ireland. And they became coal miners, and here we are, you know. And so I love the story. We actually have a page for our expanded family across America and around the world, and they share various pictures on it. It's kind of like, uh, you know, what's that place to uh, uh, write to to get your 
your history? Yeah, ancestry. It's like that, only we've created it for our family, all kinds of information and pictures of my grandparents when they were young, great-grandparents and all that. But what it does, it, it, even though we're spread like seed across the nations right now, there's a sense of community, like I'm a part of something. This is who we are. This is what the wits do. And the wits have some specific traits. A bit obnoxious at times. That's my wife. She's been married to me 43 years. So we, but we have, we have traits. We're outspoken. We're kind of opinionated. We, we, uh, we're also protectors. I mean, it's who the wits are over the generations and will continue even to my children and my grandchildren in the days ahead. So we look at the church body. We think, who are we? What is this church? And the Lord has quickened me on this recently. He's kind of shaken me up about it and saying, we need to move. And not that we haven't been doing this. We've been doing it. But we need to set this church forth again as a prophetic church. And a prophetic church means we declare things when other people are not. We speak things in order to arouse strength and might in people. At the core, we're encouragers. We, want, we, want, we don't want people to stay in the doldrums. We want to encourage them. And through that, to be that kind of a church, we ourselves, I love what God says when he speaks through Jesus Christ there, and he's trying to be trapped by the Pharisees and, you know, tell us, you know, about your, you know, the, the, the law and the prophets. And Jesus sums up their troubling question that they ask him with two commandments. And I've said this many times before, there's, there's 600. At, at the time of Christ, they had taken 10 commandments and multiplied, religious people, taken 10 commandments and multiplied it to 613 commandments. You think 10 are hard to follow. 613 commandments eventually became the Talmud. Jesus comes along, and they're curious about which commandment he, you know, he favors. What is your top commandment, you know? And Jesus says, love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and strength. And then love your neighbor. He says the second is like the first. So it's, it's not different. You can't love God and not love people. So he says, like the, don't think this is like a second-tiered thing. It's like the first. It's the cross. Love the Lord God with all your might, soul, and strength. It's vertical. And then it pours out, love your neighbor as yourself. So the core is self-love. And I'm not talking about self-love, like, oh, I've got to be careful who I am and what I am and I you know, want to be protect my mind and don't get too close to me. I, 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 I pick my, my friends very carefully and, you know, I, I, and, if, and if you don't fulfill everything that I really want you to do, I will unfriend you, uh, at least online, and, uh, and you'll feel it in person. You know, we're very particular about these. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something where you realize, God, love me enough to send his son and die for me. And out of that, it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives through me. Now there's like the ultimate agape love, that unchanging love. God really wants us to love ourselves, not like, oh, make sure every hair's in place and all that, but there's nothing wrong with that. But it's about the core of who you are, your story, where you came from. What is at the core of your identity? And some people do not know what their identity is. God wants to reveal to you what your identity is so you can love what God has made you to be. And so as we started this, this church, we're you know, moving into the 25th celebration. I'm thinking a lot about who we are. I'm thinking about our identity, 
You know, I wrote a book on this. I'm thinking about our identity. I'm thinking about our, our destiny. Where are we going in as a church? And I'm also thinking about our legacy. What's gonna happen in this church when I'm gone? Either to heaven or Florida or something. I don't know. Where do old people go nowadays? I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna go somewhere. Absent from the body. President in Florida. I don't know. It's, it's, and so we want this church to touch generations. And I don't, I don't want it to become a weak church. I don't want it to become a falsely humble church. I want it to be a church that is rock solid and is bold and is charging into the fray. And when they see people that are down and hurting, they're the type, even though bullets are flying all around them, uh, symbolically speaking, uh, bullets are flying all around them, they, they will stop and help pick up others and carry them to safety and continue to run to the fray. These are warriors for Jesus Christ. We know we're also a hospital. We're warriors and we're a hospital. We're also a family. I mean, the Bible has, I think, 11 different names for the church. We're the church, the ecclesia. We're the called out ones. God plucked you out of where you were and brought you into a church body for a reason so that you could get familiar with what it is to be a bride, but also that you could work together like a washing machine that, that cleans the clothes and has that thing in the middle of it. I just talked about it recently somewhere. It might have been here. I don't know. What's that thing in the middle called? It's an agitator. Yeah. In so many ways, a church is an agitation. You say, well, that's why I don't come. That's why I'm sitting home on my sofa right now. Because they're aggravating. They say things to me I don't like. Yeah, that happens when you get with a group of people. Actually, it's not just the church. It's the Kiwanis. It's a yoga class. It's all of that. It's people. But when you get them together, the thing that we have in common is that we love Jesus Christ with all of our heart. And we know he has a mission for us. And so in this thing called the ecclesia, we come out and join together. But don't, don't get me wrong, Sunday morning is not just, not church. The church are the people. They come on Sunday morning because we, Sunday morning is meant to be catalytic. You come in here like, well, we like showing up at 10.15 because the worship service is too loud and too long. So we show up at 10.15, sometimes 10.20. Got to get my Starbucks on the way here, you know. We got it all down, you know. And we have this little routine we go through. We're, we're forgetting, actually, that this is the calling together of warriors. And that this is meant to be uh, the paddles put upon your spiritual heart. How many of you need that right now? Two people raise their hand. That's good. We'll see you afterwards. We'll take care of that. But it's a... It's a quickening of your heart. It's a raising because our default position is kind of towards sleepiness. You notice that? Especially since the pandemic. And the Lord's coming along and boom, he's way awakening his bride and he's calling us to a mission. So as a church, I, you know, come and get comfortable for an hour and a half every week. But we are commissioning you to go out and I was gonna say raise hell. <laughs> You're, gonna, you're being commissioned to go out and lower heaven. Yeah. I mean, you're bringing heaven down. Thy kingdom come. I will be done on earth in Brunswick, in Strongsville. Yeah. There's a stronghold in Strongsville. 
I think it's where it got its name. Strongsville, Hinkley, Valley City, Medina County. We want a sweeping of the Holy Spirit. This is our territory, our turf. We're claiming it for Jesus Christ and we are equipping people. That's what this is about. To stir you up and equip you to send you out. So the church does gather, but the church scatters too. Scatter, gather, scatter, whoop, opposite. Gather, scatter, gather, scatter, that's it. Gather, scatter, gather. We do it every week. Sometimes we do it multiple times a week. We come in the middle of the week to get encouraged, to get trained, to get equipped. That's why we have creative collectives. We have worship collectives. We have uh, freedom collectives. We have sozo collectives. We have prayer collectives. We have all kinds of different things here so that you can plug in and get, get, get that thing you need. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, the equipping of the saints for the works of service. So we go out empowered in our hearts, our minds, our physical bodies to do what Jesus called us to do. But at the core of it, before all that happens, you gotta take care of yourself. And that's what I wanna look at just for a few minutes here. In fact, you can turn with me. I finally got to my verse here. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, 1 Samuel chapter 30. And over the next few months, we're gonna talk about some of the prophetic words over this church. We have a lot of them. I, we got hundreds of them. I'll pick the top 10 probably and unpack them some over the next months. But I want you to hear, especially those of you that are new and the older ones that are here, the ones who've been here a while, we want you to be reminded this is why we're here. We're not growing up into a, a, a nice little church. I mean, that's nice. But we have a mission. And so yes, we're gonna do that and we're going to have all the things that normal churches do. We're going to minister to youth. Some people have asked about youth group, you know, post-pandemic. We're working on that. It's, youth is run because you find a godly person that is worthy, trained, and ready to work with youth. So we're working on that right now. Young adults have been springing up post-pandemic. Our creative community is exploding, and we're just going to have a lot of fun over the next few years. I'm really excited about it. But, but he's calling us together for that so that when we go out of here, we are taking history with us. We are taking prophetic ammunition with us that we speak out of our mouths things that only God would say to somebody. And I love when I'm out in the streets just talking to people, Panera, Lowe's, Home Depot, Starbucks, wherever I am, and I do the are you a Jesus follower and we get into a conversation. I love talking to, to them in, in declarative ways. I can't I probably... 25% of the time, I'd say, I talk to people and they go, something I might say or whatever, they go, they'll say something like, do, do you see things? You hear things? Do you know how that freaks people out? It's even hard to answer. You go, yes. <laughs> and then the next thing is, typically, they'll say something like this. Well, do you hear anything about me or do you see anything? Because people want to know. I mean, they're into all kinds of stuff out there. They're trying to figure out their destiny, their identity, and their legacy. And so, but they're looking for interpreters to come. You are the interpreter. You are Christians, little Jesuses, going out there and interpreting for these people. So you've got to be strong. Part of this church exists for the past 25 years is to equip people and make them strong. I gotta tell you, we've had a lot. We've had thousands of people come into this church and get scattered. I mean, some of them are in other countries, uh, other parts of the United States, either because of natural, you know, transitions, job, whatever, you know, they, get, they move away. We've had people all over the city. We've had people come here and say, I'm coming for a season. <laughs> it's like, okay, be careful. You might end up staying. 
They go, I want to go back to my church and bring some power of God, fire of God, whatever they describe it. We've had that said to me many, many times, you know, and I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm fine. Bring them in, man. Let's, let's get them, you know, brush them off, uh, get them uh, uh, taught, equipped, and then let's, let's commission them and send them out to go wherever they are. Because my passion is for this entire region, this entire city of greater Cleveland that God would sweep through this city in a powerful way and even affect it in the natural because of spiritual dynamics. So we're a church. We're meant to be a, we're kind of a John the Baptist. We're preparing the way of the Lord and we're the wild man in the wilderness with a long beard. Imagine that, ladies. And you got some locusts and wild honey in your beard, you know. And you're saying, prepare the way of the Lord. That's how I think John the Baptist probably said it. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his way straight. And you baptize people. That's, that's kind of who we are. We're prophetic people. We're, the, we're the, the singing band of prophetic worshipers that come off the mountain, near Bethel actually, in the Bible, come off the mountain, and when they encounter people, they fall on the ground and are changed into a different person. That's one of the best pictures of what I imagine for this church. You say, well, I'm not sure that's where I want to be. Well, there's a whole lot of churches out there you can pick from. But we want you here. We want you here. If you are daring enough in your spirit to say, I want to be that person that kind of brings the presence and power of God, has encouraging words, sees people transformed, sees people healed of horrible things in their life, restoration and power all over the place, you're in the right place. There's other churches that do it out there, but we do it too. And so you're here right now, you're, you're a part of Bethel, Cleveland, and that is our dream, and that is our vision. Over the past, we've done all kinds, you know, I just, we're, we're refinancing uh, our loan on our properties uh, uh, this week. By the way, we need your faithful giving. Uh, our giving has dropped a little bit recently. We need you to be faithful in helping us. We have so many things we are doing now and coming out of the pandemic and expanding. So we appreciate it if you can help us out with that. But over the years, we've done crazy things. I mean, we have like sampled everything. We've done chili cook-offs. You know, we used to go to a chili cook-off at uh, IX Center. Our chili was amazing. In fact, we still have the recipe if you want it. And uh, we beat the Cleveland Browns. It's one of our, one of our bragging rights here. We, their chili was not as good as ours. And so there was, 30, I think, 30 different chilies introduced. We, we took the, what did we get, the People's Award one year and number one another, something like that. And uh, uh, we've been to uh, New Age festivals at the IX Center. We bought a booth, got a booth ourselves, went over there, took prophetic people. Prophetic people should be in a place where people are interpreting other people's future. And so we did that. They asked me to speak as a guest guru. <laughs> I thought about getting a, a different hat or something, you know, to wear. And they said, what will you do? And I said, you know, I'm thinking, okay. I said, what we do is, I, I talk about Jesus. We are followers of Jesus. They kind of like that. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Everyone's got to follow someone, you know. <laughs> we're followers of Jesus. Well, what would you talk about? And I said, well, you know, we're going to talk about people's identity and their future. And uh, they said, how do you do that? And I said, well, we have a tunnel. It's like, like, it was a fire, what we call a fire tunnel. I changed the name, and I called it a blessing tunnel. And people, so we brought people from the church, about 10 to 15 people. They lined up, formed a tunnel. And I, uh, we had uh, uh, new age people come through the tunnel at my session. And the power, and the, but they don't walk through the tunnel like Bethel people do. You know, Bethel people, they walk through this tunnel that we do with people just kind of speaking blessing. It's not a spanking tunnel, it's a, it's a blessing tunnel. And they, they walk through there. Our people walk through, they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
They didn't do that. New agers walk through like this. And we saw the power of God hit them. Some of them ended up on the floor. I mean, God was just really touching them. And then our booth, our booth, we're sitting in the booth and, and our line, Kevin McNeely will tell you this, he was there. But our line, I mean, they've got, we've got uh, fortune tellers to the left and jokers to the right and all, all people <laughs> all around, people that were sitting on their tables, you know, nobody was coming to, their, to get their fortunes read and stuff. Our line had like 10, 20, 30 people in it. It was like Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and they, they're coming up, and they're like, what are they doing over there? Well, they, they kind of touch your shoulder, and they look you in the eye, and they speak into your life. It's really amazing. And we, we realize what need there is outside of our church for people to be mobile Jesus carriers everywhere they go. We saw people come to the Lord. We saw people delivered of demons. We told people at the end of it, said, you know what? The best thing you can do for your spiritual life, what's that? Never come back to this thing again. Really? I said, yeah, there's, there's demonic energy in this whole room. Why are you here? To reach people like you. We're saving you from a, from a life that could be eventual torment. We did that. We were actually invited to do prophetic ministry at a nudist colony. I had to pray about that. I thought, how do you even do that? And do we want to do that? I politely declined, but uh, I did think about it for a few days. We even had a staff meeting to talk about it. What do you think? Everybody's like, well, one of the guys said, like, do we have to be... No. And they said, well, we could like cut a hole in a box, stand inside the box. <laughs> you know. So yeah, we didn't do that. And uh, so there's things we've turned down, but we did New Age festivals, servant evangelism, uh, passion film, you know, many years, 20 years ago. Uh, we sent teams to a dozen or more nations uh, with teams as big as 27 going to Australia. I mean, it was incredible things that we've done and still do even up to this day. We put a roof on a Haitian church down in the Bahamas and uh, uh, two years before one of the most dangerous hurricanes that ever hit the island came and that building was spared. In fact, it became a place of refuge for the Haitians that were in that Bahama island. I mean, all that happened out of this church. We've got a long history and we're going to review it over the next few months because we have to remember, and this is what I want to read to you out of 1 Samuel chapter 30. This is a situation, and I'm, I'm closing in on time, so I want to get to this real quick. David, we all love David. David was anointed to be king when he was 17, but he did not become king until he was 30. Isn't that amazing? Do you know how many things are spoken in your life that do not happen right away? But it feels like it's going to, doesn't it? When someone prophesies over you or speaks something, you're like, yeah. I'm going to get out of debt. God's going to bring prosperity into my life. We love those kind of words, you know, but there's many times a long road between the promise and the, the fulfillment of what that promise said. And for Joseph, it was 13 years. For David, it was 13 years. I mean, there's something with 13 years. It's a long time. 
In other words, in this life, you're going to have decade lessons in your life. Promise will come. Hope will come. But learning how to hold on to that promise and hope through the valley of the shadow of death without spilling it and getting on the other side into the banqueting table in the presence of your enemies. That is the kingdom of God. That is the road that Bethel Cleveland is on. I've been on it myself many times. The thing that saved me from, you know, uh, stage four cancer uh, was, uh, was promises. When I was in morphine-induced stupor for uh, 23 hours a day, um, there was a promise in my mind. There was a promise in my head. And so this church, one of its responsibilities is the equipping of saints and the inculcation of the word of God into our lives so that when you come into a crisis like we just had this past year, you're going to respond in a very specific way. And so David, David was running from, remember, he was anointed to be king over Israel, but there's another king there, and that king is not doing the right things. In fact, that king threw a spear at David and tried to kill him. David had to run for his life. So David is on the run with his people, and he escapes to the, to the Philistines. This is the equivalent of a... How many of you are Cleveland Browns fans? Any Cleveland Browns fans? Okay, well, this is like moving to Pittsburgh. He went to the Philistines. <laughs> Must be some Pittsburgh people in here. That didn't go over real big. Okay, verse four says this. So he has been devastated. The Philistines give him a little town called Ziklag. And so they were having a great party town, loving it and everything else. And, and, uh, but they get out there in battle and the Philistines are fighting Israel. And David's on their side, on the Philistine side. And the generals get upset and say, I don't like that he's here because I don't know that he's going to get out in battle and not turn around and defeat us. So they send him home to Ziklag. He gets back to Ziklag, and the whole town has been burned. All the children are gone, and all their wives are gone. Everything was taken out of there, total plunder. And he looks around to his his soldiers, the, the, the mighty men that are around him. And it was so despairing, they wept deeply. They fell on the floor and they just wept. You know, where did they go? Or, okay, you imagine if someone gets kidnapped, the fear and the stuff that comes into your mind, especially little children, you know, what, what's going to happen? What are they going to do? You know, where do we go to get them? We don't even know where they are. They knew it was probably the Amalekites. They're always doing bad stuff, you know. And so, they're, they're, but meanwhile, they're mourning, they're weeping, and then they get up. And the thought came to his soldiers, the ones that were with him, that we need to stone David. And I read that and I think, uh, I, I think I've been there. I think I've been to a place where I was ostracized, I was separated, I was put somewhere else. And then even the place that I go to and I'm ostracized and separated, that they, they would turn against me too. And you end up in the place that there's even your friends turn against you. Have you ever been to a scenario like that? It is not a good scenario. And in your heart, what do you do? And that's, what are you going to do? I mean, we've got our, you know, we've got our traditional things here in American culture, you know, of what we would do. You know, we, uh, you know, we, I don't know, I guess people go to spas and get treatment or they eat a lot of chocolate or, you know, in my family, we kind of have a joke. For some reason, when I get depressed or discouraged, I crave a McDonald's fish sandwich. I do. It's the strangest thing. Cindy will know. Like if she sees a McDonald's bag, it's all I eat at McDonald's is fish sandwich. And Cindy will go, oh, are you doing all right? You know, it's a, it's a clear sign. 
So it was not too long ago, uh, Cindy, I caught Cindy eating a fish sandwich. And... <laughs> so that's what we do. What do you do? Here's what David did in, in verse 4, chapter 30. First Samuel, you didn't think I was going to get there, but here I am. David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept that they had no more power to weep. I mean, they're done. I've had it. I'm not wearing a mask. And David's two wives, that lady and the other lady, have been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. Because of the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. And then this is the key right here, it stands out, is David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. What does that look like? Was that a moment? Was that an hour? How long? It couldn't have been too long because he's got people ready to stone him. What do you do when you've got to do something quick and the enemy is right there and you're at the end of the rope in distress? You know what he did? He turned inward to the God that dwells within him and he strengthened himself in the Lord. Maybe he went to the spa later on. I don't know, but he strengthened himself in the Lord. His first response, and you look at it and you go, what did he do? Like, what did he say? Did he sing? Did he? I don't think he sang. I don't think he had time to sing, but he was a singer. I mean, he wrote music all through, the, all whole, almost the whole book of Psalms, his Davidic Psalms, songs that he sang when he was out in the wilderness. That's the key. He was probably rehearsing what had been done in his life. And there's this great verse here. Uh, I'll read it real quick because I'm kind of out of time. But back when he was facing the Philistine, the Goliath that was taunting Israel. Remember, he came out as a young boy, 17 years old, or 16 or 17 years old. And he said this, he said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. He had fought a bear, he had fought a lion by the time he was 17 years old, defeated them, and he said, I'll take on this giant also. There's something about creating a history of victory in your life and repeating it over and over again. In that moment, I think that's what David was doing. I think he, called, he was with the Philistines. So he, that's who Goliath was with. So he probably closed his eyes a minute and just said, guys, just hold on here a minute. You can kill me in a minute. Oh, wow. And his mind immediately goes back. Lion, bear, giant, lion, bear, giant, lion, bear, giant. And the Lord delivered me from them all. When you get a history like that, and I'm going to review our history over the next few months periodically, little snippets, so you can see we are a church of victory. Yeah, we are a church that is, and in my own life, I mean, I, I was like shrinking dramatically with cancer, preaching through it, lost 48 pounds, went to my sophomore weight, sophomore high school weight, and I'd never, I'm aware that I was 130 pounds, and I, I was concerned about going into the 120s for some reason. I mean, 130 was bad enough, but that was my concern. And so what happened was this church under, you know, I felt waves of prayer coming out from this church and also people that I've known from around the world. And you can feel, this is what a church does. A church unites together. That's why I don't encourage you to dance on the edges of a church. You're not getting the full benefit of it. The full benefit is to get into the agitator and hug it. And you will be without spot or wrinkle. Yeah. Well, maybe not wrinkle, 
But then the Lord pulls you out of the washing machine and throws you in the dryer. And after that, he brings you out and spot or wrinkle. God is on your side. God wants to present you as a bride without, without spot or wrinkle. So what are you going to do? We're learning to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Let's stand up together if we could. Woo. Yeah, that was page one. Let me tell you how I do this in closing. One of my favorite verses is out of Jude, a one-chapter book. Jude Verse 20, 120. It says this. I, I, there's a lot before it, but I don't have time to read it. But verse 20 says this. It talks about all these other things that are not of the Spirit. All sensual stuff, everything is it's prior to this. It's, called, uh, it's about apostates and grumblers and everything else. And it says they're not having the Spirit. And then it says the verse 22, it pivots. It says, but you. Everyone say, but you. But you, <laughs> but you beloved, Building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So what are we going to do in the next months? We're going to learn to pray in the Holy Spirit. When I woke up at 3.30 this morning, couldn't go back to sleep, it's the first thing I did. I just lay there in bed, and I'm like, I just want to entertain the Holy Spirit. Come into the room. I'm awake. Let's hang out together. Let's see over the next three hours what might want to happen, you know. And I mean, revelation, understanding. I always type things into my phone, you know, get them, get them all in there, you know, as the Lord's revealing things. But right now with you, what are you going to do? Well, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, from what the Word says, build yourself up in your most holy faith. I encourage you daily, sometimes hourly, just lift it up to the Lord. Praise and worship. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach a whole month on praise and worship, I think, in September. But... Just, it's, so, it's such a powerful tool. I mean, even if you're at work and you have to go aside in a broom closet for a few minutes, just start singing songs. Just use the word hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. When you're doing that, the Bible says you are praying in the Spirit. What are you doing? You're working out, building up your most holy faith. David turns around. He inquires of the high priest. The word of the Lord comes. And the word of the Lord from the high priest to David was this. He said something that I missed. Let me see. He said, pursue them, for you will surely overtake them and without fail recover all. That's what happens. When you take a moment, rather than fighting back and yeah, oh yeah, well, what about this or whatever, you just wait Give me a minute here. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. In fact, let's practice right now. Let's just say hallelujah a few times over. Sing it. Kind of sing a hallelujah, your own tune. It's, it's an easy word. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I also love to do, use names of God. El Shaddai. God who is more than enough. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Ooh, Yeshua, Yeshua, Abba, Father. I mean, all these guys, these are so easy. In about two minutes, your soul starts to revive. Wisdom comes into your mind. And you know, I'm going to pursue this thing 
I'm going to capture everything that was stolen from me over this past year, and I'm going to bring it all back in the name of Jesus. And David did that. So, Lord, we just stand in your presence. Jay, are you up here? Come on over. Let's, let's go after some souls, get some people saved here that do not know Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we just, we just wait in your presence. We'll just be a few minutes longer. Jay's going to talk to you about it. We're going to, he'll bless you at the end, and we'll move on. Go ahead, Jay. Come on, just keep singing out his name. Jehovah, Shira, more than enough for me, Jesus. El Shaddai, faithful one, more than enough, more than enough. Come on, lift up your voice. The Spirit of God is flooding your heart right now, right here in this room this morning. He is strengthening you. Come on, lift up your voice. Some of you came in here, you felt like you were limping. You could barely make it through the doors because of the weight of discouragement and things you may be facing. I'm telling you right now, right here, you're being strengthened. Sing out his name. Jehovah Jireh, Jesus, my provider. Jehovah Nisi, Jesus, you're the one. Jesus, more than enough for me. You're my healer. You're my confident. You're my trusted friend, Jesus. Mm. We need you, Jesus. Mm. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't know the person of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. There's an open invitation in this room today. I can tell you, it's the most incredible relationship. You were designed for it. You were fashioned for it. And the second that you step into it, all of those question marks, all of those blank spots and blind spots start to line up because they're lined up into the, his authority and his kingdom and who he is. And your life starts to gain traction, momentum again, simply because you were fashioned and created and your destiny is worship. Your destiny is him. So when we come in a relationship with him, it puts us right on the path to where our destiny is. So if that's you this morning, you'd like to give your heart to Jesus, I want you to put your hand over your heart, even at home watching online, put your hand over your heart and you wanna recommit your life to Jesus. Some of you watching, some of you in this room today, maybe you, you've said the prayer, maybe you've hoped that you were saved, but there's always been a question mark. Let me tell you something, Jesus died on the cross and he was risen from that grave so that there wouldn't be any more question marks. So tonight, if you need to get your heart right with Jesus today, put your hand over your heart. Father God, we just invite you in. Jesus, I invite you into my heart. Lord, I thank you that the death and resurrection of Jesus satisfied the need for God to punish me. It made my heart right. It made a clear path that the person of Jesus became the path between the Father and me, and now I can boldly approach the throne. So Father, I surrender my life. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins and change my life. Make me a person who follows Jesus. If you prayed that prayer this morning, we're gonna get a slide up there. It's the I Have Decided slide. It's a number that you can text us. We would love to pray and ministry to you. We also have our ministry teams up here who are ready to minister to you as well. I just had one final word for all of you. 
When Pastor Steve talked about God putting you into the washing machine, how many are grabbing the agitator this morning? That's where you're at. The washing machine agitators. <laughs> How many feel like you're in the dryer getting whipped around right now? <laughs> you had your encounter and God's working some stuff out of you. Um, some lint falling off. And then he takes you out and he stretches you out and he sees a shirt with no stain, no blemish, no wrinkle. And you know what he does after that? He puts you on and he wears you. So whether you're in the washer, the dryer, or being stretched out, your destination is to be worn by God, that your human body isn't just flesh and blood and organs and all that stuff. It is, it is the canvas that God wants to paint his story and show the world who he is. It is the clothing he wants to wear. Your voice, the Holy Spirit wants to inhabit what you're saying with his power and his presence and reveal himself. So Bethel Cleveland, we bless you in your coming and going and your rising and your sleeping, that every day this week and every day for the rest of your life that you would encounter the Holy Spirit. May you understand that the presence isn't just a quality or an effect when you come into the church. He is his presence. You feel his presence because Jesus is with you. And we just pray that you would feel his presence stronger in your life than you ever have before. In the mighty name of Jesus, everyone said, amen.